This time I have my friend Jenna with me. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I'm very, very excited about this. Yeah, <laughs> I've been exactly. like thinking about it since you asked me. Aw, I'm glad. Yeah, I was like, we should talk about vampires. Well, anyways, I wasn't supposed to say that yet. But Jenna is such a good artist and friend. I'll link to her Instagram Aww, on the Yeah, but her... so are you. Oh, thank you. Whoever knows Jenna already, you probably already know what we're going to talk about. I already said it anyways. Or you just yeah. read the title and guessed. I mean, it's <laughs> not that hard. But yes, we're talking about vampires. And as much as I like the Gothic era, I don't really know a lot about the origins of vampires or, you know, how they became popular around this time. But Jenna is the queen of horror, so she'll enlighten us. Oh gosh, <laughs> I am. <laughs> That's quite a burden to put on me, but you know what? I'll do my best. I mean, you are. And I mean, even before we started, you already started teaching me things that I didn't know anyway. So <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll get to know a lot about vampires. So before we do that, I wanted to share the definition I found on the History Channel website, which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> so <laughs> it says, Vampires are evil mythological beings who roam the world at night searching for people whose blood they feed upon. I don't know why they make it sound so bad. Like, I don't know, when I think about vampires, I don't think of them as like really evil, but I, I guess they are. <laughs> well, one, one thing with vampires that I think is really innate to them that isn't innate to a lot of other kinds of horror monsters is that they are a creature that by definition, has to hurt something else to survive. You know, they right. have to, um, and not all vampires uh, drink blood. Some of them are like, we have terms for like emotional vampires and like psychic mm -hmm. vampires. Mm -hmm. But no matter what they're doing, they're have, they're drinking the vitality of something else, right? Yeah, they're um, draining even, you. Yeah, yeah. And even, even if you're like uh, talking from the angle of somebody who's maybe just donating their blood, they still have to give it, right? They still yeah. have to sacrifice something. So vampires as an innately evil thing, I think probably is more of a historical thing um, because we definitely see a lot of contemporary vampires that are a lot nicer or more complicated than just straight up evil. But yeah, I, yeah, I think that because of that aspect of them, they are pretty much, um, at least classically speaking and historically speaking, they're always just these horrible little creatures that want to drink your blood out. <laughs> yeah, no, and I was going to jump into like the characteristics that everyone thinks about when, you know, you talk about vampires. So yeah. I found a few, which is, yeah, they drink people's blood. And then I found that they just turn people into vampires, which I knew, but I didn't know that it was all the time. Like, I feel like everyone really changes that up as they want yeah. literature. Yeah. You know, like with literature, people will take like any kind of myth and just mess with it to be whatever they want or whatever suits yeah. them. I think vampires have so many qualities about them that make them so easy to manipulate, right? Because mm -hmm. like, especially because like, uh, I'm sure you're going to talk about it in just a moment, but like all their strange little weaknesses and everything, <laughs> it's like, it totally depends on who you're talking to mm -hmm. and what uh, what book you're referencing. Yeah, exactly. Because the next one is, the sunlight weakens their powers, but I always thought that it killed them. Unless you're a and then your skin glows. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it totally depends. Oh gosh. The, the, the sunlight thing, I think, all over the place. Um, I think that in Dracula, it, it totally just weakens him. Um, and that was even supposed to be a play on 
the fact that vampires were understood at the time to die straight up in the sunlight. Mm-hmm. I uh, <laughs> I could talk a little bit about D&D vampires, which are Ooh. also supposed to just uh, grow very weak in the sunlight and can die from sunlight damage. Uh-huh. I think... I think we kind of generally understand vampires to die in the sunlight. Sometimes people are like, no, they just get weak. And then other times people are like, oh, the sun is just a funny little goof that they played on us. <laughs> they suddenly just banish sometimes. Like, I still remember that scene from What Are We Doing in the Shadows? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> what We Do in the Shadows is fantastic. Like, have you seen the show yet? No, I really want to see it. Oh, man. The show is really, really good. Um, yeah, I, I feel like, honestly, what we do in the shadows, the movie and the show, they're both love letters to vampire yeah. lore. <laughs> and they're, they're, yeah, there's so much in there that's um, so fun to watch if you really like that kind of thing. Spoiler alert, watching him just vanish away in the sunlight <laughs> was really good. Yeah, it's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but besides that, okay, so I found that they can morph into a bat, which, you know, I feel like everyone knows. But I didn't know they could also morph into wolves. Yeah, and Carmilla morphs into a big cat. Uh, and I kind of consider that to be like one of the very first vampire novellas, really. Like it pretty much is. I think the very first one was uh, earlier than that. But Carmilla shifts into a giant cat. Um, I think some people even write them as like shifting into other things as well. It's It's pretty much like any kind of night creature that is a little scary to people. That's cool. Yeah. I wonder how that works with uh, werewolves. Like, I wonder if it would just, if it mixes them with their history, because I had no idea that they could just change into wolves as well. I don't remember off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure that there is some correlation with them if we're talking about, like, origin story and, you know, where things came from, uh, because there is a lot of overlap there. But then again, there's a lot of different cultures that have uh, shape-shifting people or people who turn into animals, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I know that uh, jinn in Islamic folklore can kind of turn into animals sometimes too. Um, But although werewolves are kind of special, right? Because they only turn on a full moon or depending on what you're reading. That's a completely other topic. <laughs> but, uh, you know, th- they also have, like, their own special set of circumstances. Mm-hmm. Vampires can do it whenever, though, as far as I understand, usually. Yeah, I think, yeah. I guess I was going to say, like, I don't know if they can do it during the day, but that makes no sense. They wouldn't go outside. And totally yes. it depends, I'm sure. I mean, if I was writing a vampire, I would say that they can totally turn during the day as long as they're not in the sun. Yeah, exactly. They, they would just have to be inside, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, besides that, I found that they have super strength and are often hypnotic, which I've heard before. Yes. Uh, and also that they can't see their image in the mirror and cast no shadows, which, yes, it was also kind of common knowledge. Um, yeah, those the- are all the ones that I found. Do you have anything mm-hmm. else? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the mirror thing is kind of interesting. I think this is common knowledge at this point. I feel like it gets brought up a lot. Um, but for people that don't know, the mirror thing kind of comes from the fact that mirrors used to be backed with silver, and it was a silver that prevented them from seeing themselves in the mirror. Ooh. So in a way, you could also say that silver uh, was commonly another one of their weaknesses. Um, there's also, uh, if we go on to 
their powers. They can be anything. It totally 100% depends on what we're talking about. But I think that commonly that's kind of where they are, right? Mm -hmm. It's mostly just these like really powerful, really hypnotic creatures that can just walk up to you, drink up all your blood, walk away like nothing happened, so long as it's not during the day in direct sunlight. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah, those are the common ones. And I was really curious to see how vampires actually, you know, started to become popular. And I think, I mean, everyone, I guess, can agree that it started to become more popular after Bram Stoker wrote Dracula, but that's not yeah. when it started. So I was looking into it. Um, but first of all, let's talk about a little bit about Dracula. So for whoever doesn't know about it, it's kind of, well, I guess people think it was based on Vlad Dracula, who is known as Vlad the Impaler. And he was born in Transylvania in Romania. He ruled over Romania, I think, when was it? From 1456 to 1462. And historians just describe him as a really cruel ruler who fought off the Ottoman Empire and he got the nickname because he liked to kill his enemies impaling them pretty much with a wooden stick. So according to the legend uh, he liked dining while <laughs> his victims died and he would just dip his bread in their blood. And <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> um, yeah so I mean those are just legends though so who knows if that's true. Yeah. But yeah, many people just believe that Stoker just got all of these as inspiration for Count Dracula. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where, you know, the driving a stake through his heart also comes from. I've heard that uh, there are, or, or there was, okay, back when, uh, I don't know how far back we're going to talk about with like where vampires originated as a myth. But I feel like when um, we're talking about the stake thing, wasn't it also a thing for them to like stab, uh, <laughs> to stab the bloated corpses with stakes to make sure that they were dead? Yes, yes. So I feel like uh, that would probably have actually come before him then, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and you're right, because the next thing I have written down is that Elizabeth Miller, who I guess, I don't know who gave her this title, but they call her the Dracula expert. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, that's a title. Yeah. <laughs> she says that this has nothing to do with Vlad the Impaler at all. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's why I was like, okay then, so where do they start? So I found that it mostly started thriving around the Middle Ages, especially around the plague. So yeah, the towns were just, you know, everyone was dying and the people who were dying were often left with a bleeding mouth and a lot of people just thought this was, oh, a sign of vampires. Uh, so it wasn't uncommon for anyone that had an illness to be labeled a vampire during that time, especially people that had porphyria. I don't know if that's like saying it right, but it was a blood disorder uh, that caused severe blisters in the skin when it was exposed to sunlight. And it could also be temporarily relieved by ingesting blood. So I guess that's where, like, you know, a lot of the common things come from as yeah. well. I also heard that uh, their immortality aspect, or at least the fact that, like, they were continuing to live their lives even when they were dead, came from the fact that uh, when you die, the skin on your fingernails, or not the skin on your fingernails, but the skin just before it kind of recedes. Mm -hmm. And it looks as if your nails are growing when they're not. So they would see these corpses with like nails that are growing out. Their hair also kind of does the same thing. The scalp would kind of shrink up a little bit. 
um, their hair appears to be growing as well. And they're like, oh my God, they're still alive. We have to do something about it. Yeah, I guess that makes sense because nails and, and hair are dead cells anyway. So it makes sense that they would still grow a little bit though. Yeah, well, it's not that they're growing. It's that like, because the skin and the, uh, just the structure around it is no longer, it's rotting away. It's yeah, decaying, it it's no longer holding onto it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it gives the illusion of it. Okay, yeah, but besides those, they were also thinking that people who had rabies or goiter were bad. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> they, yeah, that what you just said before, like they, they would just uh, stab people who they thought were vampires with a stake to make sure they were dead. And they would also decapitate them or burn them. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want to kill something, get rid of the head and burn it. <laughs> For sure, it's not going to come back. Exactly. <laughs> if it comes back at that point, just give up. Yeah, but before we started recording, you were mentioning something about um, the Roman Empire? Oh, yeah. So, oh gosh. I don't think it would be great for me to say this word out loud, but I'm going to do my best. Um, it's not actually a Roman vampire. Uh, it's a Greek vampire. Oh. Very, very different, I'm sure. Um, bear with me. I believe it's called Vrykolikas. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, and I don't actually know very much about them, except that they uh, were also a vampire that kind of came up in Greece a uh, very, very long time ago. Definitely had to look into them a little bit while I was uh, doing one of my projects. Um, they're essentially a kind of creature that, well, not, I don't know exactly what their powers or anything like that, but I know that they were essentially another type of undead, right? And that was kind of where a lot of like, uh, I think a lot of vampire myths kind of come from. It's looking at the dead and uh, making assumptions about them. I do know a little bit more, I guess, only like a very basic surface level understanding of Filipino vampires as well. But there's really just a lot of vampire folklore like all over the world. There's tons of people who have some version of what is essentially this creature that is dead. They're like either dead or they're like they should be dead. (laughs) Um, And sometimes they can shape shift into uh, things like bats or they have bat-like qualities. Uh, but definitely they are sustaining themselves off of people in a very unpleasant manner. It makes sense that everyone has their own version. Yeah. I did really researching too, but I wonder if like there's a Latin American version of a vampire. I'm sure there is. Oh, there definitely has to be. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I think, I think that there are some places that don't really have maybe exactly a vampire as we understand it as like, um, we understand a European classical type of vampire, but I think that, I think most people can kind of relate to meeting kind of scary people or having these frightful supernatural encounters with something that you think might be dead, um, having some kind of uh, story that revolves around this creature that is going to eat you, eat your blood, eat your life, eat something that you would <laughs> like to keep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, okay, while I was researching, I found, uh, have you ever heard the name Mercy Brown? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay, so apparently she she's also known as one of, like, the most notorious vampires. I had never heard about her. Really? But, what the heck? I haven't either. Yeah, no, she, she was a real person. Like, she wasn't, like, you know, a made-up character. She lived in Rhode Island, and she was the daughter of George Brown, who was a farmer. So after George lost a lot of family members, including her, uh, in the late 1800s from tuberculosis, 
his community used mercy as a scapegoat to explain the deaths. So it was common at the time to blame several deaths in a family to the undead, apparently. I had no idea. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> they, I guess they just decided to blame it all on mercy. <laughs> funny, but yeah. Uh, when her body was exhumed, it didn't display any decay, which was interesting to find. Like, I don't know how how long they waited. I guess that could be explained, actually. They didn't wait, wait that long. But yeah, people were just accusing her of being a vampire because <laughs> her body didn't really decay and all of the other family members were dying too. So they cut out her heart, they burned it, and they fed the ashes to her sick brother, who died after that. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't know why they did that, but okay. Wait, I think I have heard of this. <laughs> I, I, I remember them feeding the ashes to somebody who died that's later. So weird, that's so weird. Oh, man, yeah. Why would you do that? He's already sick. <laughs> <laughs> Please, he's sick. My son is dying. He can't eat your ashes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure, like, uh, you've heard of Elizabeth Bathroyd, too, right? No, I haven't. Oh, really? Okay. Um, now, again, I do not have the story 100% straight, but I do know that she was um, basically just a very prolific murderer. Like, she killed so many people. Like, um, I think it's like maybe 400 or something. Oh, wow. um, she was basically, yeah, she was a noble woman in Hungary. Uh, and the thing that uh, people kind of assumed with her in terms of like vampirism is that, now I don't know if this is true, um, I think because I have heard that some people are kind of disputing that, that it's not really something that she did, but I heard that a lot of her victims were chosen because she was going to bathe in their blood. Oh, hello. Yeah. And uh, I guess by bathing in their blood, it would keep her youth and vitality. Oh, Who knows? Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. I feel like I've heard so many things lately of like people wanting to feed on children children's energy and stuff or like trying to keep their vitality by drinking people's blood or stuff like that i don't know if you've heard of it but there's a lot of cults lately that i'm like oh, oh wow what <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh what? no yeah um but yeah that's exactly where i was going anyways like right now there are people that call themselves vampires and not everyone you know just drinks people's blood <laughs> there's yeah. just you know people that like to identify that way and they might some of them actually do drink blood um not that you know they don't kill people they just drink blood i guess and they yeah. think that will help them stay healthy i wonder what's what make them believe that but it's that's interesting there's um yeah there's basically just a subculture of people who think of themselves as vampires uh because one way or another they need to sustain themselves either off of people's blood actually or off of energy that comes off of other people in some way um and uh, i have looked into it because it's very interesting it's, it's very interesting to think of what it would actually be like if you know you actually can't live without having blood in your body um yeah. and you know, I've heard some people talking about their experiences with it. There was this one man who said that he had been to doctors about it before. He tried a lot of different supplements, but the only thing that really makes him, you know, feel like he's had a meal or maybe not necessarily feel that he's had a meal, but feel okay and not like garbage is to have a little bit of blood every now and then. Wow. Um, there's actually, uh, I'm sure you probably saw it while you were looking into things, but I know that there's like 
just a big group of vampires in Texas. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, there's this whole community. Um, I'll definitely have to like show it to you later, but uh, and you can watch some videos of it. I know that it's like spearheaded by this man and his wife, and I don't know, um, I don't remember their names off the top of my head. Uh, also, don't want to bring them up too quickly here, but I, but I know that like uh, they are kind of advocates for this community. Um, you know what? I just think as long as you're doing everything safely and no one's getting hurt, Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I find it funny that they live in Texas out of all places. Well, there's lots of places where they live. I mean, they do live in other places. Yeah. Um, that particular community, I don't know if it's uh, strictly located in Texas, but I do know that uh, he lives in Texas. And okay. a lot of, a lot of, yeah, a lot of the people that are involved in there live in there. I think that there's also a community in New Orleans. Oh, that makes more sense yeah. for some reason. But something about New Orleans has a vampiric energy. Yeah. I feel like a lot of things have happened in New Orleans, so it makes more sense yeah. than Texas. New Orleans is a, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a place. Yeah, no, but yeah, I, I uh, found out that there's, yeah, a lot of communities with self-identified vampires, especially in the internet and like, yeah, in different cities in different parts of the world. Uh, but they usually try to like keep it kind of, you know, not really say much about it because they don't want to rekindle like vampire super superstitions so they will just keep private most of the things that they do uh, especially yeah. if, if it you know like involves drinking blood yeah. but they do have willing donors so that's interesting too yeah uh i mean if if it were me and i were somebody who thought this about myself or felt this way i definitely wouldn't feel comfortable talking about it because um first of all there's the fact that you're literally calling yourself a vampire, which a lot of people are not going to take seriously. Oh, for sure. Um, but secondly, there's also the fact that um, vampires are scary things. And in the case that they do take you seriously, you know, you don't want to be branded uh, terribly for it. Um, it, is, it is a very interesting community. And I think that there's definitely a lot of, uh, there's a lot to talk about there, just in that uh, instance alone. But yeah, I mean, they do have, uh, as far as I understand, most of the time it is completely willing uh, when they do need to feed, either through blood or through, like we were talking about earlier, um, just other people's energy. What I found interesting is that, I mean, for these people who just, you know, maybe they don't brand themselves as vampires, but they do drink blood to feel better. I wonder how they even found out that they needed blood to feel better. Yeah, you know, I've heard different stories. Uh, I guess it might just be one of those things where you just kind of experiment and you're like, wait a minute, I actually feel really good when I have blood. Um, yeah, like I, I would imagine it's something like that. I, I do hear though that like the most common type is not the type that feeds off of blood, it's energy, yeah. um, people's emotions kind of uh, walking yeah. into a room where people are feeling really, you know, high energy or something like that and just sitting in that. And do you know what? I can kind of relate to that. <laughs> um, Although I don't think that it's the kind of thing where uh, I'm sucking it out of people, but I definitely, I think, I think a lot of people when they uh, are in a kind of situation where there's lots of people having a great time, if everybody's in a good mood, um, you can kind of absorb that a little bit. You yeah, know, and it sure. kind of, yeah. I think that even just like goes into, you know, like how extroverted people just recharge in a room full of people. Yeah. It could kind of just lead into that, just, you know, being happy when everyone else is being happy yeah i mean that's just that's just an empathy thing right <laughs> yeah yeah i was remembering one of my high school teachers claimed that she was a vampire 
really I don't know if she did anything about it or she just liked saying she was a vampire but yeah <laughs> it was remarkable <laughs> oh my god well that's kind of awesome you had a vampire teacher yeah she was she was an interesting teacher <laughs> yeah I guess that's where like my research ends it wasn't very long but <laughs> no I mean that's kind of, that's kind of like the broad stroke of it right we're talking about them um as we understand them right now in like a contemporary context coming from uh bodies from the black plague and looking at them and being like oh my god they're still alive and they're drinking blood we have to do something about it um at, at an already chaotic time and then talking about how uh, Vlad the Impaler inspires Dracula which ends up being the contemporary context for all these other vampires or at least he ends up being something that people will point to um, when we're talking about Vlad Dracula. There are a lot of, um, I think I think a lot of our understanding of them is shaped by uh, obviously the classical literature that talks about it like Dracula, like Carmilla, like I'm pretty sure um, I'm pretty sure there's one that's just like called the vampire <laughs> and like those yeah yeah it's like very I wouldn't say the very very first thing ever written um, to use those tropes. Absolutely not. There's got to be other things that were written beforehand. Mm -hmm. But one of the very earliest ones that came before Dracula and just was talked about it, um, it was written by Lord Byron. That's who it was. There you go. Remember oh. his name. Yeah. Uh, and they've been in uh, all three of those stories, just these very seductive dead creatures that are also really horrible. <laughs> and I think that like, you know, there, there are other cultural understandings of them, but I think how we talk about them has been, like, defined by all of that. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, I feel like that happens pretty often once there is something that sticks. I mean, everyone just uses it as inspiration, so, I mean, everything yeah. after that, all the movies, most literature after that just has all of that as inspiration, I guess. Yeah, like, a lot of I, f I feel as if a lot of more contemporary takes on vampires, they tend to uh, examine them less as strictly villainous characters um, and more as, you know, they kind of want to humanize them a little bit. But I do see this push with other monsters in general as well. Might be because, you know, a lot of us lately, we see a lot of really creepy monsters and we're kind of desensitized to them. So we want them to be kind of cute. We want to kind of relate to them a bit more. There's also another part of that, though. Um, that I could talk about for a very long time, so I'm going to, uh, <laughs> where we're talking about, like, um, well, what about people who see themselves in vampires, you know, and who see themselves in monsters when they read about it? Yeah. Um, and I think that there's a lot of groups of people who are going to be able to do that. There's lots of people who feel alienated by society for one reason or another, or even just alienated from their own friends. Like if we're talking about queer people or people who have mental illnesses, because um, yeah. you know I fit into both of those. And <laughs> I've always been really fascinated by monsters, um, especially vampires. Um, one thing with vampires, like I remember I talked about this a little earlier, is that they are a creature that it, like innately has to hurt something in order to have any vitality or life to it, right? Yeah. And I think that if we're talking about that, we can kind of see some parallels between that and people who, you know, hurt people, just generally hurt people. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe they don't necessarily want to, or maybe they do want to, depending on the kind of vampire we're talking about here. Yeah. Um, and what that basically means is you're looking at this creature that, um, has to do some pretty bad things to get by and uh, kind of comparing it to people who might also 
do the same, maybe without wanting to and feeling really bad about it or not. Totally depends on what you're talking about. Yeah. Because I think, I think, I don't think Dracula felt bad. I don't think that guy cared. <laughs> if he did, it was just a funny little joke. But that's also another thing, right? It's kind of another bit of a power fantasy to be able to look at a villain like that who was just straight up just a garbage man and be like, I kind of wish I had that confidence to be able to just do something without worrying about how it will affect everyone around me. Yeah, no, you're right. I do think it's, like you said, it's interesting how, I don't know, I mean, monsters in literature in general, a lot of times I feel like they're written as, you know, like you said, people who might not even want to hurt others or who are just, who haven't even done anything on purpose and people just brand them as these monsters, these horrible things. Um, yeah. And I do think that's very relatable. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like a lot of times they're even written with more emotions than the humans in the story. Like they're mm -hmm. very much more human than the actual humans. So it's really interesting to yeah. see the story in their point of view. Yeah, it, it totally depends on who's writing it. You know, I think a lot of earlier stories with monsters in them were definitely always using a monster as an allegory for something that they didn't like, um, generally something foreign. Uh, I know that Frankenstein is not a vampire, but Frankenstein is like this like kind of terror of technology even, yeah. um, because what if we can bring people back? Should we be allowed to play God like that? Um, but there's also that secondary reading in that particular story about, um, you know, having a child or having something that you are supposed to be taking care of and just hating it. And because you don't take care of it, it turns into a monster. Yeah. Um, and we talk about, you know, the is it a man or a monster debate a lot in literature. Um, but definitely in more contemporary contexts, I think we see a lot more of a nuanced take on these kinds of creatures. We look at them and we kind of want them to be something that has more human-like qualities. Uh, I mean, when Twilight came out, like, yeah, Twilight is its own kind of thing. It's, it's its own beast. <laughs> but um, it was already kind of a response to what was already going on, which was a lot of people really like supernatural romances. Yeah. And they really, there's a lot of people who would really like to be able to look at a monster and say, you're only like that because of the way that the world around you treats you. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do this in a bad way. And so Twilight's one of those things where you have this like, uh, it, like it's, it's already playing on all these tropes that were already there. Um, yeah. But it's just this uh, girl being like, oh no, this man is so sad. <laughs> I would love to be able to do <laughs> Such something a sad to help. Man. Yeah, but I think, and I think it's very, very common for women, especially, to have uh, fantasies like that, where yeah. you see this like really sad person or this really broken person, or more uh, commonly, this horribly messed up person, and think, but what if I could fix them? Mm -hmm. And that's a thing that happens a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think like you and I are kind of the same in that we're like just very highly empathetic people yeah. and um, very easily affected by the way that other people feel and um, always wanting to see the best in everybody, even when they repeatedly show you that it's not there. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Oh, <that's> great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm calling both of us out here, but like, but, but that's the thing, uh, when you are talking about it in a fictional context, it does give you some space to play around with it and be like, but what if it were possible to actually do that? You know, yeah. that, that's, a, that's its own kind of um, power fantasy, uh, is the 
is the desire to be able to change somebody for something because mm -hmm. you care so much about it. Yeah, and I mean, I, I feel like it's always interesting to see, like we said before, I mean, something that is supposed to be terrible, you know, that has been branded as a monster, be seen in another light as well. I mean, even just, uh, I was looking at Lucifer the other day. I don't know if you've seen that. Oh, Lucifer. Yeah, I've seen Lucifer. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's another thing that is, if you start thinking about it, it is interesting to see like, oh yeah, I mean, everything has a good and a bad side and it's not all black or white, you know, it's, it's interesting to look at it that way as well. Yeah. I mean, we can talk about um, morality and a lot of, uh, I, I guess, media um, and how a lot, a lot of stories, or at least a lot of the really big ones that end up being formational to how we see things um, is that they can be pretty black and white because they're written uh, from the perspective um, or written in like this culture that already kind of wants you to see things in black and white. Oh, yeah. Um, having a bit more of a nuanced take on things tends to be geared towards more adult audiences, right? Like as soon as you start getting into things that are gray, um, suddenly it's just too much to handle, I guess, if you're under the age of 18. So, <laughs> and there, but uh, I can also say uh, with complete confidence that not a lot of those examinations are very good either. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like it's, it's, not, it's not that any, it's not that either of these readings, I would say, are like innately bad or anything like that. It's just, this is the kind of um, culture that we have right now where uh, we have people talking about how, you know, they kind of want to see these guys not go through such a rough time. And so they want to be able to talk on that either because, uh, you know, you can see yourself in these monsters or because you can see somebody that you know in them or because you just think it would be really cool or really funny to just have a vampire that can just walk around and get some groceries. Like, <laughs> that's also a completely valid reason to yeah. want to write a good vampire. That's true. Yeah, I always find it nice when, I don't know, like, I mean, it's just humanizing monsters, like we already said. I mean, it is, it's an interesting take because it tells the other side of the story. After all, they do belong to society when they're reading uh, yeah. stories. So it is interesting to see them as part of society, you know, like trying to just blend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I know that with vampires, there's also, especially when we're talking about vampires who have some kind of power, um, for example, like Dracula, because we're always going to come back to Dracula. Um, they do also end up being kind of like class criticisms. Um, you have this uh, person at the top of something who's really, really powerful, um, but little do you know they're actually making everybody miserable by being up there um, because, you know, maybe there's something innately wrong in these kinds of stories about having that much power, for example. Um, and yeah, it, it's just another angle to look at them. But there's also people who are writing about vampires where they're just dirt poor, they have no money, and they are just these helpless little creatures. Um, and honestly, both of them are fine. I, I feel like I prefer seeing vampires in a more classically horrible context where you have this person who, yep, is a vampire, has to do all their vampire things, but they still get to retain those traits that make them um, terrible. You know, but there might be some element to it where uh, it might be more great and understanding. I watched the 1992 Bram Stoker's Dracula again, <laughs> not that long ago. Yeah. And even that kind of adjusts the original story to have it so that Dracula's 
uh, whole reason for kind of going a little bit over the top there is because he had somebody he loved who died and it's played sympathetically mm-hmm. and that is something that not a lot of people are going to agree is sympathetic but that's what it's you know written to be you're supposed to look at it and say it's fine that he did all these horrible things because he loves somebody once <laughs> and it's a really good movie um and i think that vampires are just one of those kinds of creatures um where we talk about how they're super hot they can kill you and everybody loves them um where we just kind of want to play with them <laughs> like we we want to see them in all these kinds of different contexts and see what we can do with them yeah and talking about that like which would you say are your favorite i don't know literature pieces or movies with vampires um oh gosh <laughs> so i really like uh carmilla the novella um i i just really like that um for me it's this uh wonderful little story about this very very lonely girl who has nobody to talk to she doesn't have any friends um who ends up meeting this other girl who's just so nice to her and so obsessed with her and she just likes her so much that it's overwhelming mm-hmm. and even though she uh, sees over and over again that this girl is like maybe not everything that she thinks she just doesn't want to believe it um mm-hmm. now it's got its problems because it's an old book Mm-hmm. But I think it's just really, really good. Also, the uh, homosexual subtext. Um, <laughs> so, like, you know, so, so you know, like that. That's really good. Um, I also think uh, two other ones that I can think of off the top of my head are. I don't know how much this counts, mm-hmm. but uh, Strahd uh, from Curse of Strahd, the D and D module, is like my favorite vampire character ever because uh, (laughs) he's just written to exemplify like every single trope that I think makes vampires an interesting, um, intriguing thing to want to keep returning to. Um, I can't talk about it too much on here Mm -hmm. because I know that there are some people listening who will receive spoilers, but he's very, very interesting. I know play that one at some point. (laughs) Oh, you will. (laughs) Um, It's just really good. Uh, One thing that I really like too, and I think I might have shown it to you, is Emily Carroll's When I Read at the Castle. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. It's really good. It's just this, like, really good little short kind of abstract story about this, like, hot vampire lady, and it's just horrible, but it's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely recommend it. Yeah, Emily Carroll's stories are just, I love her style and how she manages to tell horror stories while still kind of make like I don't know she's she still has some sort of cute style yeah very creepy as well yeah she's a you know she's a comic artist and she's uh she I think I know she works mostly with like traditional media I feel like that kind of informs the rough but also very like kind of kind of cutesy uh handmade style to everything that she does it's really it's really good and I think that she just really understands what makes horror so good um or so fun to read, which is just that I think she kind of likes to set them as something that's more personal instead of something that's just like this greater evil um, that you can't necessarily always understand. Um, I think that's what really makes a good horror successful is if it's like, yeah, if it's something that you understand. Yeah, for sure. I mean, anything that you can sort of relate to or understand in a deeper level, I feel like it's just going to get to you more than, you know, just the story. 
yeah, you got to write what you know. Yeah. And I think with um, vampires and like queerness and uh, that feeling of, you know, being alienated and kind of feeling like a monster, that's, I think, unique to vampires, which is that um, because vampires are also at not necessarily all the time, but the way that we understand them when we're talking about them, uh, because it was all informed by Dracula <laughs> um, and Bram Stoker, from what I remember, I could be wrong, I would trust the Dracula expert over me, but from what I remember, he basically had a wet dream and woke up afraid of it. <laughs> um, yeah, like he had this dream and I think it was something where like uh, he was just like having sex with a bunch of women and he woke up and he was like, what the hell? And you know what? Like, yeah, me too. But yeah, I would be scared too. Um, like, uh, so he ended up like writing it because of this little nightmare that he had. Yeah. Um, and so Dracula also has a lot of elements to it where there's this like fear of sexuality. Hmm. And I think for a lot of people, there's this um, shame that comes with so much not just sexuality but just like so much stuff like i think we grow up and we just feel ashamed of everything yeah. <laughs> like yeah you don't want to talk about the things that you like or um the things that you're interested in um or even the clothes that you want to wear or anything like that because people just love to bully you when you're a kid mm -hmm. and you grow up and you kind of have to learn how to navigate that and like kind of retain that authenticity but being shamed for sex is a really huge thing too like we oh, all yeah know that yeah and especially if you're queer so i think that like vampires end up being kind of iconic to a lot of uh queer people because of that as well because they are this uh creature that um can be very hypnotizing and very charming and just hot vampires are hot sometimes um and you might want to you might be persuaded to have a little fun night out with one of them um except you know uh it's a vampire and it might kill you um definitely a lot to talk about there but i think uh, i think a lot of people can kind of see that and have some have another reading to it you know like um i'm not i don't really consider myself a very sexual person but as somebody who does have to do a lot of reflections on how i see that kind of thing it is something that yeah you could spend a lot of time thinking on that yeah no i think you're right and especially because there's so many taboos like ever since you're little there's so many things you can't even talk about. So I can completely see that. And yeah, going back to like, you know, what you said of, oh, you might want to have a night out with them and maybe they'll kill you. I don't know. I think people <laughs> also really like the idea of danger for some reason. Oh yeah, people love to be in danger. So I think that also has to do with it. Yeah, and there's also, you know, the idea of interplaying sex and violence. Um, it's been around for forever. Yeah. But, you know, I, th I, feel, I feel like those are like the two main driving forces of a lot of what gets made, especially for um, adults, hopefully, especially for adults. Yeah. Where it's like, um, you know, uh, the most exciting things that we can talk about are sex and death. And if we can kind of like play with them a little bit together, then it just makes this like really um, enthralling uh, thing for a lot of people. And that is like what I think the what I think a classical vampire is right it's literally just this like hot dead person <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah no that's really interesting because I mean thinking about it it's always been like that I mean if you look at paintings from years ago from centuries ago it's always kind of you I don't know targeted towards death or sex or religion yeah <laughs> there's like those are like yeah. yeah, the same with classics. I mean, even thinking about the picture of Dorian Gray, 
And oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, all of all of those classics, I think I, I really like it because yeah, you, you can see a lot of the hidden kind of things that society didn't want people to talk about. Like it's just subtext in all of those stories, so. Yeah, uh, a, lot, a lot of Gothic horror, especially I feel is, dealing with this sort of thing it's it's dealing with not necessarily sex and death but it's dealing with just these um very upset people yeah. <laughs> who like um you know I, I know i know that we've had like a talk before about uh how a lot of gothic horror or at least a lot of gothic romance for sure started out because a lot of women and men were just starting to have their spaces uh intertwined and women were very curious about what their husbands were doing when they were away so a lot of them a lot of early gothic horror and like gothic romances are written for uh women at least um at least the way that like uh I think a lot of us get it when we're talking about like the girl in a white dress running away from a castle. <laughs> but there's also, but there's also things like, uh, yeah, like the picture of Dorian Gray. Um, I and, and like Frankenstein, and even I think you could kind of even squeeze Dracula in there a little bit, where we're talking about these people who end up obsessively into something that ends up hurting them and everyone around them and turns them into a monster. Because you have this like, uh, you have this person that is made into a villain because they just can't let go of all these things that are, that they're like really concerned with. Dracula a little less so. Yeah. But um, you, I, think, I think you still see that uh, in a lot of other um, vampire literature as well. And actually a lot of people do take Dracula and when they play with it again, they want to turn him into a villain, not have him start out as one. Um, and that makes it, you know, that that's a different reading on the character, but I think it's just, uh, Bit of a reflection on what we want to see in them. Um, I mean, have, we've seen Castlevania, yeah. <laughs> uh, and like their Dracula is a great Dracula. I love that Dracula. He's yeah. like, yeah, he's just one of those like kind of morally ambiguous ones um, until he suddenly isn't, <laughs> and you like him for it. You don't really, you know, he's not. I don't really think that any of the characters in that uh, show are characters that you're meant to hate. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's where no one is 100% good or 100% bad. No, I, I think I think that we're kind of coming to a more nuanced understanding of that with the things that we write, for sure. It's kind of, that's what postmodernism is, right? <laughs> Just looking at like a bunch of different um, stories that people are telling you and understanding that all of them can be true. No, yeah, like <laughs> even I remember this children's book where it was written, on, like this has nothing to do with vampires, but it was yeah, fine. on, what was it, like the point of view of the wolf who, you know, like uh, destroys the pig's houses. Mm -hmm. So it was like his version of it. And he was telling, right. and it, it's a really cute book, actually. I want to find it again. But it just, like even back then, I remember being like, wow, I mean, there's always two sides of the story. So it is interesting. Like, I think that's why everyone really likes those type of stories where like, you don't really know. I feel like stories used to give you, and, and I mean, they still do, uh, someone to hate or yeah. always someone to root for. So it's interesting where you're not even 100% sure who, who you should be, you know, going with. Yeah, it's always going to depend on who's writing it and or not necessarily who's writing it, but what they want to go for with it. Mm -hmm. um, 
like uh, like personally I always like things where I don't necessarily hate anybody because it's just not fun for me if I see a character and I'm like oh this guy again <laughs> like like that's just not fun for me um and I usually don't uh, read or watch uh, or play things because um, I want to, not necessarily because I want to learn something brand new. It's mm -hmm. because I want to relax. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so having things where like, for me, the fun is in having these characters that I can like really think about um, in a more complicated way. That's what makes them interesting to me. But some people, some people are more into having somebody who is very clearly defined as um, a villain and somebody who isn't. I think especially in children's media, that's very, very common. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's true. You, you see it once and once again in like uh, animated movies. Yeah. But I was gonna say, oh yeah, I remember you talking about Interview with a Vampire a while ago. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. Is that a good, huh. is it a good movie? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, it, it is a, it is a book series. Book. Um, yes. Which the most embarrassing fact about myself is that I haven't read it yet or I haven't finished it yet, but I know that the, the movie's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, yeah, I think it's also one of those, uh, stories, uh, even if we're talking about like the books, because what I know about the books, um, is that, uh, Anne Rice kind of, codified a lot of other vampire tropes as well with what she wrote. I mean, we have like this like French Rococo vampire Ooh. and like, <laughs> and he's just kind of a little bit of a, I'm going to call him a little bit of a sleaze. I don't think that's actually what uh, is the best word for it, but he, he's, he's, he's a little bit of a, he's a little bit of a freak. And like, uh, he's hanging around this other guy, um, at least in that uh, first little book or movie. Um, and they end up having like a kid to raise right and there's some subtext there that's very fun but they also like hate each other <laughs> it's oh, it's no. fun like 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 you look <laughs> at it and it's just like it's just fun to see these people who just have so many problems with each other um yeah. getting into all this garbage and then Lestat decides you know what I've had enough <laughs> and like and like all of this stuff just uh, ends up happening from it it's 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 really good but I think um with it it sort of yeah just set the pathway for um things like Twilight <laughs> to come out. Like I, I'm thinking about the uh, bigger picture of um, what what are kind of like the big examples of vampire media that we know, yeah. um, like that most people know about. And I and I feel like I feel like that's a pretty big one. Most people have at least heard of Interview with a Vampire. Mm -hmm. Did you talking about Twilight? Did you see the new book that came out? Did you ever read the books? I did read the books when I was in middle school. <laughs> Um, I haven't, I don't know if I will read the new book, um, but I also feel like I kind of have to. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I had no idea there was a new book until I went to chapters the other day and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> um, but I never read the books, but from what I've heard from people, they're not liking the new one. No. I don't really know a lot about it, but. I mean, to be fair, like, Twilight is just okay in general just fine um it's not really anything that's super fantastic or anything and i think a lot of people who are like die hard vampire fans and just hate having their little um vampire lord touch they just hate twilight because um yeah. the best thing they can come up with is the fact that this guy sparkles uh, like whatever <laughs> i mean in homestuck kanaya glows in the dark <laughs> like there's there's a whole bunch of like weird stuff that happens that people like uh you know don't get as up in arms about regardless um 
the new book, I think had some more issues with things outside of just how it was written to some things with how Stephanie Meyer had been dealing with uh, the people that she wrote about. And I also think that um, wasn't the book already written before and it just got published basically. Oh, really? I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that was the case with it. I think it was written um, around the era where Twilight was actually like quite big and uh, it was written as from what I understand, uh, Edward's point of view. Um, and it just wasn't until now that it's out there. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, but, I guess maybe someday I'll read it. Yeah, no, but I get it. I get why like people, you know, who really are into vampires wouldn't like being associated with Twilight, I guess, because it became such a mainstream thing. And then it just became you know, like every, what everyone jokes about. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And, yeah. It's, yeah. One, it's one of those things that I think kind of like marred <laughs> vampires for a lot of people because um, we already like uh, baseline don't really take romance very seriously uh, when we see it. It's kind of one of those uh, quote unquote lesser genres. Um, right. And the fact that it's a supernatural romance that's even lower. Um, and the fact that like, you know, it's, um, a romance that's set up like this as well, where uh, you have this girl following this guy around. Um, and like, to be honest, Edward is an asshole. He sucks. Uh, he, he's, just, he's just like a horrible person. Like, I, I do not know what uh, Bella sees in him, but he sucks <laughs> so much. Um, you know, you, you have like that like basic setup that a lot of people don't like where this girl is following this really broody, angsty guy around um, and hoping that like, you know, she can convince him that actually uh, he's fine the way he is. Um, and it just kind of goes from there. Uh, and the, th the reason why I say that Twilight is just okay is because that is the plot of so many things. Like <laughs> it's whatever at this point, yeah. it really doesn't matter. It doesn't really feel that big. I think Twilight just kind of got a bit of a lucky break. Um, and because people didn't really take any of that very seriously to start with uh, when it came out and when it became popular, especially when it became popular amongst teenage girls, it yeah. became bad, right? Yeah. No, and I mean, talking about romance in general, like, I feel like, especially lately, with uh, Netflix making so many <laughs> romantic comedies in specific, I mean, <laughs> um, it's just so cookie cutter, like, everything's literally the same story, and like, it doesn't even have anything special to it. Yeah. Um, so I think that's why also, like, the romantic genre is just looked down at, I guess. Yeah, I, I think, I think, you can say the same about a lot of other genres though. Um, I mean, we talked about uh, the hero's journey before and like that very specific way that events happen where um, essentially a guy goes out on an adventure, meets a mentor, goes and does a bunch of things, comes back, and it's the exact same structure yeah. um, that like appears so, so many times. Um, and then there's like also other story structures. Um, I mean, a lot of action movies are about a or they used to be, I think a lot of them still are, about a guy just like being very rugged and manly, <laughs> like going out <laughs> with a bunch of guns and doing a bunch of things with uh, like, you know, some level of super intensity and maybe he's doing it for a good reason, but maybe not, it doesn't matter. The point of things that I think follow that kind of uh, scheme though, that follow that kind of plot, is that I don't think that they're necessarily written to be groundbreaking. You know, they're just written to be something that you can enjoy. Um, yeah, and I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, like, hell, I mean, I've read a lot of things where, like, uh, both of those things were the uh, story. And I've still liked reading them because I wasn't reading it to, you know, 
get smarter. <laughs> I was reading it for fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think uh, when we don't really put a value on whether or not you can have fun with something or whether or not certain people can have fun with something, like, again, I think, like, the main thing with things like Twilight is that it's beloved by teenage girls and everybody hates teenage girls. <laughs> um, like, we just don't like teenage girls. Um, that's what really makes it uh, something that people are going to have issues with. Um, and I think Twilight, uh, for example, has its own set of issues that are like actual issues. But the real reason why people didn't like it at the time was that, if we're going to be honest. Because <laughs> yeah. people don't have that level, that level of critique for other kinds of things. Um, like every other genre uh, has its own set of tropes that are followed and a lot of them are, they can have quite the cookie cutter story, but um, no one, no one really drives into them as much as they do with romance. Mm -hmm. That's true. And I mean, again, this has nothing to do with vampires, but like looking at romance in general, like it's interesting to me when, when you, for example, go to the grocery store and you, you see a book section, they still have those like, you know, romantic novels that are supposed to be for like, I mean, why are there own romance novels in grocery stores? And you start thinking about it and it's because around the 50s and stuff like that, they were put there for housewives. Yeah. So I yeah, think exactly. it's the same. Yeah, it's the same like with teenage girls. Romance is just looked down at because it was meant for women, I guess. Yeah, and you know what? The thing is, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of really powerful romances too that exist. And yes, even vampire supernatural romances that are out there that, um, you know, if you just uh, want to spend some time looking into, I'm so sure that you could find something that actually really affects you um, uh, in any genre, really. Like, yeah. there's a lot of things that I've seen that I don't think I would have unless somebody told me to because they liked it so much. Mm -hmm. And then when I do see it, I end up seeing the value in this genre as a whole, right? Mm -hmm. um, just, I'm always going to be an advocate for, like, giving these uh, things that you don't really know if you're going to like that a lot of people tell you that you're not going to like, like, uh, vampire genre stories. Um, just things that you should give them a chance, because they're yeah. really, they can be really good. Maybe you just haven't found the one that you like yet. Of course. Yeah, no, and I feel like we talked about that kind of with horror, for example. Like, I was telling you, like, oh, I really haven't seen a horror movie yet that I really liked, but I think yeah. that also comes with the fact that I've been expecting too much from it too. Like <laughs> always expecting like, oh, this is the one that's gonna scare me. When I guess that's not even the point sometimes. I mean, it's just, you know, if you go into it without expectations then you'll probably enjoy it way more. Yeah, I mean, horror is one of those uh, genres where some people read it because they want to be scared, like they want to read it and actually feel scared when they read it. Um, some people read it because they just like it um, for other reasons, like maybe because it's just intriguing to read or because it makes them think about things. Um, and, and we're talking about this as if like the only horror that exists is things that are written down. But <laughs> of course there's like, like, so, like so much uh, horror as a, as a whole genre on its own. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like I think I was saying earlier uh, in this conversation, uh, anything where you write it from your own experiences um, or from your own understanding of things uh, is going to be a lot more affecting um, if you're writing about like uh, horror, but you write it as if it's something that you understand and you can uh, kind of have these parallels that are more connected to 
something that would actually happen to a person, then it actually, you know, becomes something that's going to be fun to engage with, um, or, you know, it's going to affect you in some way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, and like going back to uh, what we do in the shadows, I think the, fact, the reason why I really like that movie is because they kind of did a comedy based on, you know, something that is usually just used for horror. You yeah. know, like vampires are always categorized as a horror thing. So it was fun to see it played that way too. Yeah. It's cool when people kind of take things out of place and put them in other genres. Oh no, for sure. Like being able to take these kinds of monsters and kind of play with them a little bit more. If it's done right, it can be really interesting. Um, if it, I, I, think, I think what makes what we do in the shadows really good is that it's definitely done by people who love vampires. Yeah. Um, if you don't love what you're making fun of, um, it's gonna just come across as kind of mean-spirited, you yeah. know, not really gonna be fun. It's not gonna be something that's done with an understanding of what you're talking about. But what we do in the shadows, like, looks at all, like, the uh, vampire tropes and is like, now what if we just talked about this, like, this was just normal people stuff. Mm -hmm. um, the, like, uh, <laughs> having them all, like, sleep in their coffins and dealing with that. The fact that the whole thing is set at night, so they have to, like, specially light it for that, and it looks it almost looks kind of grimy, but like it just gives it so much character um, that you're just yeah. not going to see um, in a lot of other things. It's done with so much care and craftsmanship. It's really, really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I and see the, kind of the, the little motion graphics that you made for it. It's really cute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my kinetic type project. Oh yeah. god, I, I'd love to revisit that someday. I looked <laughs> at it again the other day and I was like, oh no, <laughs> I don't like this. Um, I was also thinking, have you seen The Lost Boys? The Lost Boys. It sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. It's um, basically like uh, Peter Pan, but vampires. Oh, uh, I haven't. That sounds like, really cool. <laughs> now, it's not exactly that, right? It's it's different. Um, it's like set in the 80s, uh, I think. It was an 80s movie, at least. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just this like band of these really cool vampire boys <laughs> that just like turn or, or that like take an interest in this uh, one guy that they really want to have join them. And it's uh, one, it's it's an 80s movie, right? So it's got the 80s movie tropes, the 80s movie kind of like action-y tropes. Um, I guess it's probably somewhat of a horror. Um, it definitely has some horrible parts in it, but it's really just kind of got that like 80s cheese that makes it so good. <laughs> um, and we watched it uh, not that long ago, sometime over the summer, uh, which was really good because I got to see it again and actually register it this time. And it's just, yeah, that, that's, that's another like uh, play on with vampires that I think is really fun. Um, because yeah, you got, you got these people that uh, are gonna live forever remind you of anything Peter Pan and, and it's and it's kind of fun to like draw on that uh, allegory a little bit there yeah for sure yeah I'll have to watch that that sounds pretty interesting oh absolutely uh, I, I can give you a list of recommendations but that one definitely I think a yeah. lot of people should see yeah and as we're heading into October like we were just talking about that we have some other people from Maycad like we should we should have a little movie night and watch horror movies and stuff Absolutely. I'd love to be having more movie nights. I mean, I'm just always trying to watch as many horror movies as possible. I feel like I've got like a backlog to catch up to. And especially when we're talking about vampires, like I have a lot of vampire movies that I still want to see. Uh, there was that one that came out kind of recently that had uh, Tilda Swinton in it um, that I also really, really liked. And I cannot remember what it was called right now, but it was also really good. It was just a genuinely good movie about vampires. There's also 
while we're here talking about vampire movies, um, I really liked A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. It's about an Iranian skateboarding vampire, and Ooh. it's really good. Everybody should watch it. I've not heard about it at all. I, I need to it <laughs> on like a lot of things. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. I mean, um, the, like that was something also that I like discovered um, within the last couple of years, and I was like, what the heck? How did I ever <laughs> hear of this before? Because yeah. that is like the best setup ever. I don't need to know anything else. I'm just going for it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, no, I definitely want a list of things to watch. For sure. Things to watch, things to read. Definitely have a lot of things that I want to catch up on reading because there's just so much stuff out there. It's almost, it's very overwhelming. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of that book that came out recently, Fangs. It's by a comic book artist, but I'm not I even sure. I have, what is it? Horror, but it, it looks really cute. Like the cover is really nice. I'll show you later <laughs> when we're done. <laughs> but yeah. Of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it has been an hour, so unless you have anything else to say? Well, uh, I guess I'm just going to say that vampires are really, really cool monsters. Um, and I think <clears throat> they're a little bit controversial for a lot of people because um, they've been around for long enough and they've been messed with so many times that there's so many different kinds of them. Um, I mean, even the one that we've been talking about for as long as we have, where we're talking about a very classical vampire, uh, even that is just like one kind. I mean, there's even more monstrous looking kind of vampires that some people really prefer because they really like monster kind of creatures. Um, vampires are just really cool. Like there's so much you can talk about with them in terms of uh, what they can do and what they're capable of and what kinds of stories you can tell with them. and the kind of uh, things that you can use them to represent. I think we have all met a vampire in our lives. We've met somebody that makes us feel like garbage every time we talk to them, who kind of seems to sustain themselves off of um, us feeling bad around them. Um, and we've definitely met people who um, come across that way in other ways as well, just people who, you know, they're really dangerous, but nobody will listen to you when you tell them that, right? Yeah. Um, or maybe we've even been in positions where uh, especially if we are more people-pleasing kind of people, um, where you are dumping a lot of yourself into a person who ultimately cannot give that back to you, or straight up doesn't want to. Yeah. Um, there's so much to talk about, and like the repertoire of things that are written about vampires, especially in a like uh, social context and what that could mean. Like I would, it's really fun to look into, and it's really fun to talk about. And I definitely think that everybody should try giving them another look over if you are a little bit wary of them or if you think it's a little bit cliche. Because they are, but there's nothing wrong with cliches. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's a cliche for a reason, right? Yeah, it's popular because people like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but yeah, it was, it was fun. It was fun to talk about vampires. And I feel like there's so much yeah. more to talk about. Oh but. my God, there is. I, I, I came in here like, oh God, I, <laughs> I could really talk for a long time. Yeah. And I, there, there are, there's definitely things that I've said in here that I feel like I could revisit, go over and like explain more clearly because mm -hmm. really like there's just so much to talk about. There's so much to talk about. And we're literally only talking about like one kind of vampire too. We're not even talking on like uh, other kinds of vampires culturally. We're just talking about the ones that we know in like a Western context. Um, yeah. And they're all, they're all very interesting. Yeah, no, it would be interesting to talk about other kinds as well. 
if you're ever going to make just a always do another episode later on <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> when are we just gonna have like a vampire podcast in <laughs> we can just have a vampire section <laughs> <laughs> here's the vampire chapter of midnight Mayhem. <laughs> yeah but yeah thank you so much for joining me thank you for asking me oh my god here i am <laughs> here you are yeah it was it was fun and I, yeah i was like i was thinking what would be fun to talk about? Vampires. Always vampires. I feel like, I mean, if we, if we did want to talk about it again, there's lots of like real world people that would be fun to talk about that. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah or, or like more historical figures. Because talking about people who are around right now is a little bit, uh, eh. but you know, talking <laughs> about people who like people thought were vampires like we were oh, yeah. earlier on. That, that's, oh, that's a whole lot to talk about. Too. I love, yeah, I love when like looking back at history and even stuff that you didn't even know happened. I love learning yeah. about history and <laughs> especially yeah. it involves like knowing that people really thought someone was a vampire or, or like a witch or, you know. Yeah. And I mean, hey, did you know some people have this belief where if you drop a lot of things in front of a vampire, they are compelled to start counting it. What? That's one of their little weaknesses. Yep. <laughs> oh, I had no I think, idea. I think I think that's kind of the pun with the Count in Sesame Street, because he's always counting. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I guess if you suspect someone would be a vampire, just drop things, like drop coins or something. Yeah. <laughs> if they start drop, like, grains them. of rice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I had no idea. <laughs> just a little vampire fact. Yeah, a little fun fact. Yeah. Yeah, thanks again for joining me. I Thank guess. you for having me. Yeah, I guess that's all for today. So It was really good. Yeah. Guess I'll talk to everyone soon. We will. Uh, we will. Personally. Yes. The both of us will. Yes. No, we definitely will do another episode. Excellent. I've already arranged it. Everyone rejoice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good night. Good night.